Welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. I would now like to introduce our tax practice leader, Joe Boublet. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. My name is Joe Boublet. I'm a tax partner in the New York City office, and I'm also the firm's tax practice leader. And this is an extended post-election podcast where we now have a president-elect, Joe Biden, but we still don't know the composition of the Senate. So what we're going to do today is talk about some of President-elect Biden's tax proposals and things that people should be considering between now and the end of the year. As we're recording this, we don't even technically know what the composition of the House is going to be. Associated Press has only called 411 out of 435 races, but it's expected that the Democrats will retain control of the House, albeit with a lower majority. As of this time, Republicans have picked up five seats at the House. The Senate is a different matter. Right now, the composition is 48 Republicans to 48 Democrats, including parties that caucus with the Democrats. There are two races that are in place right now, but are too close to call, North Carolina and Alaska, though Republican candidates are leading in both of those. So if the Republicans win those two races, they will have 50 seats in the Senate. And we have the Georgia runoffs on January 5th, 2021, which will determine the final composition of the Senate. If the Democrats should win both of those races, it will be tied 50-50. And then of course, Vice President Kamala Harris would cast a deciding vote at any votes that there's a tie, effectively giving the Democrats control of the Senate in addition to the House and of course the presidency. So recognizing that we don't know how it will pan out, we're gonna talk about President Biden's tax proposals and, and what they may mean. To do that, we have Ron Hecht, who is a tax partner in our White Plains office. We also have Pat Daly, who's a tax partner in our New York City office. And Ron and Pat will talk about the individual and business provisions. We also have Howard Klein, who's a tax partner in the White Plains office. Howard is the leader of our trust and estates practice. And, and Howard will talk about some of the estate and gift tax proposals that the president has made. And lastly, we also have Leon Dukowitz, who is a tax partner in the Philadelphia office. And Leon heads up our international tax practice. So to start things off, I'd like to welcome and bring in Ron Hecht. And Ron, could you just talk a little bit about the tax rate changes that are in President-elect Biden's proposals? Um, President-elect Biden has um, in his proposals a number of rate increases for individuals. He's raising the 37% top tax bracket to 39.6% for those earning over $400,000. Um, coupled with that, for those, whether you are employees or self-employed, currently the social security or self-employment tax rate or is supposed to stop collecting um, social security and self-employment tax in 2021 at $142,800 of income. The proposal from President-elect Biden is to leave that in place until an individual reaches $400,000 of either wages or self-employment income, and then reinstate that tax on all such earnings in excess 
of $400,000, effectively adding potentially 12.4% additional payroll tax um, on earnings in excess of $400,000. Next, the capital gains rates, which currently are taxed at a top rate of 20%, would be increased for individuals with income in excess of $1 million to be taxed at ordinary income rates, which under President Biden's proposal would be a top long-term capital gains rate of 39.6% or just short of double what the current capital gains rate is today. Um, last in the rate category is for self-employed individuals that are conducting businesses that are eligible for the 20% um, qualified business deduction or the section 199A deduction that deduction would be eliminated for real estate professionals and would phase out for all individuals with income in excess of $400,000. On the itemized deduction side, um, President-elect Biden is looking to cap the benefit of itemized deductions at 28%, regardless of what rate your um, income would be taxed. The P's deduction, which was a limitation on itemized deductions for high earning individuals that reduced your itemized deductions by 3% of your adjusted gross income in excess of a certain amount. That is being restored for 2021 and going forward. The positive in the President-elect Biden's proposals is that the state and local tax deduction limitation would be eliminated, allowing full deduction of state and local income and real estate taxes going forward. But keep in mind that may bring back the impact of alternative minimum tax that while still in effect has been largely pushed to the side. Now briefly, what does an individual need to do in the next six weeks before the year is out um, is look for ways to accelerate income. Um, if, you're a, if you operate your own business, see what you can do to accelerate revenue into 2020. Ask your employer if they could accelerate your bonus into 2020 and look very seriously um, at capital gains. Um, number one, if you are sitting on large gains, uh, you may want to consider taking some of these gains in a year in which you would pay no more than 20% capital gain rather than a 39.6% for the high earning individuals. Um, if you're entering into transactions where your businesses may be sold on an installment basis, you would need to think about and you would have until your 2021 tax returns are filed in 2022, electing out of installment treatment so that you could get all your income taxed in 2020. Um, on the itemized deduction side, one would want to double up on charity deductions 
to accelerate deductions into a year in which you get a full benefit of your itemized deductions, but your state and local income and real estate taxes, if they're due in the next six weeks, defer them until January so that you could conceivably get the full benefit of them should this tax law that's being proposed by President-elect Biden become law effectively in 2021. Okay, great. Thanks, Ron. So now I'd like to bring Pat Daly. And Pat, I know you have a couple of items that you want to talk about in the President-elect's proposals. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, there are three components that I'm going to touch upon. The first one being is a financial transaction tax. And what is a financial uh, transaction tax? The basic theory behind this tax is that every stock market transaction will have some type of small tax. Proposals now vary of what this tax level is going to be, but most wealth advisors believe that the tax will be very minimal. And most people believe that this financial transaction tax is unlikely to change much for most Americans. I just want to just also point out there are, there are, there are a few countries throughout the world that have this financial uh, tax, such as the United Kingdom, France, Switzerland, Hong Kong, and it and appears that these countries are just doing fine with this, with this additional tax. And I just want to also point out whatever the candidates expect this new tax will rise to, it will all, certainly be much less than all the proposals that Ron just talked about and will just be a min minimal tax on all financial uh, transactions. The second area that I just want to touch upon is the carried interest rules. And I just want to give a, a quick background of, of, of what the carried interest rules were all about. General partners of private equity and hedge funds are generally compensated two ways. The first way is a management fee, which is based on the total assets being managed. The other way that uh, general partners of private equity are compensated is what is what is known as carried interest, which is usually 20% of the profits accrued in the business. Most people for years have been trying to eliminate the carried interest rules because the carried interest rules are considered a return on investment and is taxed at the capital gain rates. President-elect Biden proposes to eliminate these carried interest rules on a go-forward basis. And the third area that I just want to touch upon is the opportunity zones. The opportunity zones were, were put into uh, law about uh, three years ago to give taxpayers benefits for investing in low-income areas. And you were going to get a, a tax benefit. You got. You were able to defer your capital gain tax for seven years. President-elect Biden is not seeking to abolish the Opportunity Zone programs, but he's trying to revamp its tax incentives. He believes that this is a good program, but it, it needs some more stringent guidelines. So, what he what he is su suggesting he's suggesting three things to happen with these Opportunity Zones. First one is he's, he's suggesting incentivizing Opportunity Zone funds to partner with community organizations. Secondly, he's seeking to have the Treasury Department review Opportunity Zone regulations to ensure that tax incentives 
have clear economic and social environments to the community. And third, he wants to create a program that will require developers who utilize these breaks to have more stringent reporting and public disclosure requirements about their investments. I, that's his bi bi biggest criticism of this program, that there's not enough guidance and stringent reporting requirements. One other thing I want to touch upon too, that President-elect Biden is also talking about eliminating the 1031 rules, which many real estate investors use. This proposal has been talked about for years about eliminating. So I guess we'll see where that goes once the election is finalized. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Pat. And a couple other things on the business side, the corporate tax rates, the proposal is to go up to 20% from the existing 21% and also impose a minimum tax for companies that have $100 million of book income and pay little or no federal taxes. The other thing is they're also looking to scale back the depreciation benefits that were in the TCJA. And there are also a number of credits proposed and uh, other things, but I think we've hit the major things. So now I'd like to turn it over to Howard Klein. And Howard, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world of estate and gift taxes? Thank you, Joe. Um, before I get into some of the specific uh, potential changes to President-elect Biden's tax proposals, I just wanted to make some general comments. First of all, just as a way of background, the federal government taxes transfers of wealth in three ways. Through the estate tax, assets passing from a decedent to a beneficiary, the gift tax from a person while they're still alive to a beneficiary, and to the very complicated area of generation skipping transfer tax, which I won't go into any depth at all today, but basically it's when you bypass the next generation and give gifts either during life or upon death to, let's say, grandchildren. Together, these three taxes make up the federal transfer tax system. In addition, many US taxes impose estate taxes. What's interesting is that when it comes to estate planning, interesting and frustrating, when it comes to estate planning, it feels like the federal and state authorities change lifetime planning rules way too frequently. This makes it very difficult to do estate planning for one generation these days, let alone the multi-generational planning we'd really like to embark upon. So the best thing that planners can do is to know what the current laws are and to make the right moves today without painting ourselves and our clients into a corner they cannot physically get themselves out of. And maybe even more important, it's about taking advantage of the current estate planning laws while we can, while being sensitive to existing and potential new clawback rules. In other words, planning with flexibility is the best approach. Now to get to some of the specifics under President-elect Biden's tax proposals. So the Biden tax plan entails three potential major changes to these area of transfer taxes. First, it would reduce the estate tax exemption by approximately 50% from its current level of $11.5 million of exemption per individual, um, thereby restoring the threshold for taxable estates to pre-Trump levels, uh, potentially, let's say, just say, potentially $5 million or so. Second, there is a discussion that there would be an increase in the top estate tax rate, once as high as 55%, currently 40%, to something higher than 40%, and potentially, let's say 45%. Third, and potentially the biggest change of all, is the Biden tax proposal, uh, President-elect Biden, Biden tax proposal, would repeal, repeal the present law step up in basis rule that increases the tax basis for inherited assets to their full market value upon death. This current rule benefits all heirs, 
including those receiving modest estates, such as the state, uh, decedent's residences or mutual share fund, uh, fund shares from estates valued below the state tax threshold. In other words, this could affect everybody. Under present law, inherited property receives a full market value tax basis. As a result, if the property has appreciated in value since its acquisition by the decedent, this increase permanently escapes capital gains tax. If the beneficiary subsequently sells the property, the taxable gain will be limited to the increase in value of, over the stepped up tax basis. The repeal of this step up in basis rule will likely result in a significantly greater overall tax burden with respect to transferred assets than with the decreased exemption and rate increase. It could prove very costly over time to heirs of appreciated property at all income levels, not just the wealthiest. And this is, and aside from the actual increase potentially in taxes, the amount of record keeping could be um, overwhelming. Think of assets that have been purchased like a home many, many, many years ago. This change could mean additional income taxes on these inherited assets. The elimination in the step up in basis would create, could create additional capital gains tax to the estate or the beneficiaries if inherited property is sold. And additionally, as part of President-elect uh, Biden's proposals on the income tax side, capital gain rates would increase to a top rate of 39.6 on income above $1 million. So coupled with, the, coupled with the estate tax on the property, if it's subject to estate tax, this could drastically reduce the amount of wealth being transferred to heirs. Okay, Howard, that was great, appreciate it. And now I'd like to bring in Leon Dukowitz. And Leon, why don't you tell us about some of the proposals in the international tax area? Will do, Joe, thank you. So here we go again. We had the largest tax change overhaul since 86 with TCJA and President-elect Biden wants to tweak, modify, and continue to move the international space one more time. We finally got our hands around the rules from TCJA, and now we look to, to, to modify it, predominantly in three areas. These, these proposals are not too, too bad in the compliance side, but they will, will seek to raise additional tax dollars back in the U.S., because the overall plan is to continue to... to not allow companies to defer taxes uh, under the current system and to really bring it back. So with the corporate tax rate going to 21%, the overall plan is for the guilty tax rate, the global intangible low taxed income rate to go from effective rate of 10.5% to 21. At the same time with the rate moving to 21%, some of the benefits of the guilty system that was put in back in the end of 2017 with TCJA is we're no longer going to be allowed to potentially offset losses in one country against income earned in another country. What the president-elect Biden's proposal is really looking at basketing country by country. So if you have income in France, for example, and loss in Japan, you'll no longer be able to offset those two to come to a net number. They will be treated separately. Second major uh, issue is continued issue of uh, inversions. Inversions has been a topic uh, in, in the US for the last several years, both through the courts and major changes came in with TCJA. And what, what an inversion is, is when you have a US parent company and a foreign subsidiary, it basically is 
expatriating the U.S. parent company by exchanging shares in a subsidiary for shares in the parent and basically taking the, the U.S. company offshore and allowing the co corporation to not pay tax on that transaction and deferring. And what the, the president-elect Biden intends to do in his proposal is to tighten those rules to allow to, to further disallow the deferral or exclusion of gain. The third major item in President-elect Biden's proposal is repatriation. The repatriation provisions that came in with the uh, TCJA in 2017, there's a lot, quite a few incentives that President-elect Biden's proposal will look to claw back uh, corporations and force them to uh, basically make good on credits or uh, tax benefits that were had for moving jobs offshore. So again, the Democratic proposal is to truly try to keep jobs onshore. And this is one that, that President-elect Biden believes will allow, uh, force a bit, a bit of punitive penalty or penalize for moving jobs offshore. Back to you, Joe. Thanks, Leon. That was great. So that concludes our podcast for today. I want to again thank all the guests that came in. I know how busy you are. And I would just uh, ask everyone in the audience to be, uh, be on the lookout for additional podcasts as additional information becomes available. And as all these proposals are firmed up in more details, we will have additional podcasts and update everyone. So with that, that concludes today's podcast. And everyone out there, stay safe and carry on. Thank you.